from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. We're talking about attacking the box and one defense in this quick hitter episode. Last night, as I'm recording this, we had an awesome Coach's Edge meeting, Coach's Edge.coach meeting with some of our members. We had two coaches, Bub Lindemann, Joe Jacobs out of Delphus Jefferson in Ohio, Frankenmuth in Michigan, really high level teams, and they play against a lot of different types of jump defenses. All right, boxing one being one of many. And they dug into some of the things that they do with uh, different types of defenses, boxing one denial, uh, so unique defenses like a, a three-player denial with uh, two kind of stacked in the bottom, playing more of a zone matchup, just some really unique things that they're seeing. And the other cool thing was um, Coach Lindemann's team they have, you know, the player that usually gets the most attention is their point guard, right? Coach Jacobs' team, the player that gets their most attention is their four or five. And so it was great for us as coaches to be able to listen in on what they do. And we, we pull up Frastraw and we had them break down some of the actions and movements that they make with their team to try to be able to score, to be effective on offense when the attention on the defense is on the point guard. And the attention of the defense is on a big, so it's just really good all around for, for all of us. Um, but I, in this episode, I want to share because we have a 15 minute presentation that we uploaded to coaches edge.coach recently on attacking jump defenses, specifically boxing one and some triangle two as well. And I want to touch on some of the things that uh, for you to listen can find beneficial. Is it going to be nearly as beneficial as checking the video out? No. That's why you become part of Coach's Edge, Coach's Edge, I coach. So some of the things that we talk about when it comes to attacking a box and one defense, right? And this is not in any particular order, but I want to get into uh, some overall concepts. I want to talk about general things that you can focus on that would apply to any type of defense that you're playing against. Uh, I want you to think about whether man or zone is better for you. We'll talk a little bit about some of the things that you can concentrate on from a zone standpoint. And I do want to touch on zoom, zoom action again, because um, whether especially triangle two, I love zoom action against triangle two, but it can be effective for boxing one as well. And we'll talk about that. So first and foremost, when you're playing against the boxing one, do you have the ability to use the corners and help flatten out that zone, right? Let's say you went with your four or five at the box and you have your point guard who's being boxing one there up top, right? You have another player who's up top, so you're matching up with that box, right? But that top player, they have their individual defender, the one, and then there's some player close to them who's in the box. And then you run your shooter through the corners on the baseline, right? You're overloading the bottom. You're overloading the bottom, three players running through down there to two players defending down the box, you're going to make the defense have to flatten out. The defense flattens out. That's going to give your player at the top a little more room to create. The defense doesn't flatten out. You're going to be able to get some corner threes. And if the defense is late in rotation, then you're going to be able to hit down low. For example, 
All right, let's let's use our brain real quick. Let's say the basketball is on the right kind of between the slot and the wing up top. You got a player running through from the left corner all the way to the right corner, which would be the ball side. And then you have two players at each one player at each block. All right. You bring that player through all the way from the left corner to the right corner and you hit them with the pass. Okay. Now the bottom player on the block is going to have to shift all the way over to guard the corner, right? The player who's leaving the post player, the post player is now going to screen the weak side or the backside defender on the bottom of the block. And then the player who was on the weak side block is going to flash to the strong side and you're going from corner, boom, down to the player coming flashing across from the weak side block. And they're going to hopefully have a good look. And at the very least, they're going to have the defense catch them with a little movement. And in those situations, you can really offensive rebound well, right? So don't just don't miss the shot short because the player that just came across from the right block to left block to set that screen, they should have an automatic seal. If somebody has to bump down, they they have inside position, they should be able to get up and put back, right? And, and that's one thing that I want to mention when it comes to teams who run box and one. Coach Jacobs brought up last night. It's generally not that team's primary or best defense. And so let that give you a little confidence. They're trying to throw you out of your stuff. This probably isn't their favorite type of defense to play. It's not something that they're best at which means you can take advantage of it. They're doing something that they're not very good at or as good as what they might prefer to do. So if we can overload the bottom of the zone, again, that, that play would just be runner through from the weak side corner to the strong side corner. You got a player at each block. When the ball goes to the right corner, the right block screens for the player at the left block. You bring the left block player across the middle, across to that strong side area hit them. That's a good option to have. I'll try not to get too graphic with that because I know it's tough to understand on audio. So if we can overload, if we can flatten the game out, if we can have our main player occupying two, that could be uh, putting them in ball screen situations. So if you have another player who's not as good, obviously, as the player being boxing one, but they have some capabilities, I would use our main player who's the one as a screener in many of those situations so that our second best player can get some daylight, try to get downhill and make some plays as well. And, you know, as, as coach Lindemann mentioned, if you have a really dynamic player, sometimes all they need is a crack, right? And so if you can screen that player, get them downhill, get them, maybe it's a switch, but it's against a defender who's not uh, as talented not as good. That's why they're not originally on the box and one. They're in the box instead of the one. That sometimes can be enough with a high-level player to give them enough space, momentum, that they can start to get downhill, which is why I'll talk about zoom action as well because I really like that. Now, some general things that can be effective, and you can help your, your guys and your girls concentrate on this because a lot of teams freak out, right? You throw something different at them. They don't see it very much. And that's why, you know, I, I do like throwing in an occasional junk defense as a coach because it's a shock to a lot of teams. It's not something teams practice a lot of playing against boxing one and triangle, unless you're one of those few teams out there who just sees it every time, 
So run the floor, screen really, really well, especially knowing this isn't their best defense. So we want to run the floor in anything. You always want to screen well. But I think it's even more important to screen well against something that that team doesn't feel is their strong suit because they're going to be second-guessing themselves. They're not going to be on the same page when they're being screened compared to when they're playing their normal man-to-man defense. Their thought process might be a little delayed. They might miscommunicate or not at all because they're not quite sure of what they're supposed to do when you're screening. And then there's one player who's playing man-to-man, probably denial, and the other ones are playing his own, so it's easy to get into some of these miscommunications. So screen at a high level. Offensive rebound, well. This is huge, 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 huge. You will have opportunities to get offensive rebound putbacks if a team is playing a box and one, especially if you're getting into flattening out the defense, overloading the bottom. Talk about overloading a side. Are we overloading the bottom? When we overload the bottom, that gives us the opportunity to get underneath a lot of those players from the top before they sink down, and that can give us those opportunities for putbacks. And then the next thing I want you to think about is what offense do you run better, your man offense or your zone offense? Some coaches like to run their normal zone stuff against the box and one. Some coaches like to run their normal man stuff against the box and one, right? And I've talked about this with Coach Troshak, who's one of our Coach's Edge contributors. We chatted about it with Coach Jacobs last night, with Frankenmuth. It's not right or wrong. If you want to play your strengths against the box and one, which one are you naturally better at? And you can always run your man offense or your zone offense, depending on what your strengths are. Let's say it's a zone. There's reminders that we can give our kids to make your zone more effective when you're playing against the box and one. We always talk about D2, D2 meaning draw two defenders, right? If you can draw multiple defenders as a player, I'm not just talking about the player who's in the one. I'm talking about anybody playing against this box and one. If they can draw two defenders with the basketball and still have the ability to see their four teammates out on the court, that's key. A way that we can do that, even when we don't have the basketball in our hands, is to make triangles. You never want to square yourself up right next to the defender unless you got something coming right out of it, right? You want them to be matched up with you because what your next action is going to occur is some type of overload, some type of movement to an open position. So that's where that would make sense. But if you're running more of a free-flowing offense, make triangles, right? So if I got a defender in the bottom of the box at the block, I get a defender at the top of the box at the elbow, I'm not going to line myself up on the perimeter in the one of those two positions. I'm going to find the sweet spot that's right beneath them, between them, making the triangle. Against, another one. So we talked about drawing two, seeing four. We talked about making triangles. Third one, middle touches. How are you able to get middle touches? Get the basketball to the middle of the box and one. Good things can happen. And you've heard it a million times, but I'll say it again. It doesn't have to be your big. A lot of bigs 
you know, and we got to do a better job of coaching it, but a lot of bigs are not comfortable catching the ball at the high post with their back to the basket, but more guards seem to be comfortable there. Put somebody who's poised and is a good passer, get them the ball at the high post, let them make plays. Okay. With that comes the fourth thing that I want to mention, which is your personnel. When you're playing against zone, ask yourself, do your kids know who you want where, what you want them doing with the ball, what you want them doing without the ball? Do your kids know those things? Do they have a good understanding of knowing where they're supposed to be and not general, specific? You have a player who's a catch-and-shoot player, where do you want them? You have a player who can't shoot a lick, but they're good offensive rebound. Where do you want them? You have a player who is a great screener and passer, but not so much a scorer. Where do you want them? And then there's the teaching of, well, what do you want them doing? You got them in the right spots. Are they going to carry out and execute, you know, doing their job? What does that look like with the ball? What does that look like without the ball? Right? Maybe it's a player that, we talked about flattening out the defense. So maybe you have a great screener who's going from high post to low post. And when they get at high post, they're looking to kick out to the corners or dump downs. And when they're going low post, because they're such a good screener, they're looking on screening the bottom players in the zone. And then you're flashing a cutter through to that spot right above where they screened. And then that player will get a shot. Right, you're utilizing a player's strengths. Okay, they get it at the high post. Cool, pretty good passer. They, they're a great screener. Okay, well let's let's work on overloading and screening the bottom of the zone, and then we're gonna slip cutters in through, you know, to the, to the sweet spot. Players need to understand who you want where, what you want them doing with and without the ball. Be specific, while keeping it simple. And I'll finish with the zoom touches, all right? I love the zoom action against triangle two. You can also use it against any type of defense. Now, one of the reasons why I love it so much is because multiple actions are very difficult for any team to defend. Multiple actions are very difficult for any team to defend, especially when the defense they're playing isn't their best defense, their primary defense, the one they're the most comfortable with. Requires a lot of communication. And at the very least, if your best player is the one getting the handoff off of a Zoom, all right, so a quick review, like if I have a player in the corner who's my best player, they're being denied, and I bring a player down to set a pin down screen for them, and then I have a player above them, high post, top of the key, wing, and they're going to be the one coming down and they're going to come off of a handoff after they get that screen. Okay. These are really important things for us to think about. So those are great ways to get a crack, get the offensive player that you want with the basketball. That's the most dangerous, get them the ball and, and get them moving. This is one of the biggest issues that I see with offenses that struggle whether it's man, zone, box and one, triangle two, is that players are constantly catching the basketball in a stationary position. The defense is allowed to get into their closeout, help side defenses, able to get locked in to where the basketball is, and the offense gets stuck, it gets ugly, it's slow, and it's easy to guard. So 
with, with zoom actions, that player's getting it on the move. Defense has to be up. They have to be on it. Otherwise, you're going to make them pay. And that best defender is in a decision-making position. You just hit them with a down screen. Now they got to come through a handoff, which is very much like a ball screen. So are they going under? Are they trailing? Are they yelling out switch? You put that best defender in a very difficult position. And to take a step further, you want to get the worst defender, their side, wherever that might be, you want to get them involved in this. Okay. Like, let's just take, let's just take a second. If I'm playing men's league basketball, right. And I'm just like, you know what? Let's just try to make this easy. I'll look at who's the worst defensive player out on the court. And I'll just bring that person up and set me a ball screen and start cooking them. Like it's, it, it's easy. Right. Now, obviously there's a game plan I'm talking, you know, random men's league. You're talking about a high school basketball team. There's going to be more structure to that, but they're still the worst defender, right? So if it's a box and one, if it's a triangle two, even if it's man to man, running those zoom actions and involving the worst defensive player within that location and action. Oh, baby. Oh, man. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Picking on the weak link and everybody else has to do extra because you're picking on that player and it opens up a lot of other areas. Let's say one, one quick thing on triangle two. Let's say our two best players, they're getting the two ones in each corner. Okay. You have another player bring the basketball up and let's say you throw them to your five who's around at the top of the key. Right. So let's say the, the ball's dribbled up the left side of the court. It's thrown to the middle where the big is. We got a player on the other side, on the right wing, and then our two best players who are in uh, the two, denialed, I'm assuming, are in, one in each corner. So you got five out. Basketball just was passed to the top of the key area. And let's say the right wing gets into their down screen for the player in the corner, and the player at the top taking a peek. You're taking a peek at that first action as your player's coming off that screen and you're deciding, am I going to go into them and run that zoom and get into that dribble handoff? You take that peek, and if you don't like it, you immediately turn the other way, and they're doing the same thing on the other side. Down screen for the corner player. They're coming off, and then you got option to dribble there as well and get into your handoff get that player to turn the corner and get driving downhill, right? Now, could you run both of these pin downs at the same time? You could. It'd be pretty quick. But you could run that down screen, player in the right corner, comes off the down screen, immediately follows it with a dribble handoff, and you give them the ball. Now, that player who gets the ball, they can turn the corner, defense goes behind, they can pull it. They're playing a game, right? player gets the handoff, and as they turn the corner, get more to the top of the key, if they're able to get downhill, now we're playing. We're playing ball, all right? And you just had a weak side screen occur, try to loosen up the shooter on the left side. But if the player coming off the handoff doesn't like it and they can't get downhill, they just continue more of that lateral dribble 
and then they hand it off to your next best player running the zoom on the other side. See what I'm saying? So it's essentially a zoom to another zoom have to be pretty quick. And obviously off of a zoom action, there's a ton of different options as far as who you put where personnel looking for slip actions. Maybe it's a big that you want to get the ball to. And so you don't even have to have them with the basketball up top involve them in the first screen, right? So big sets the first screen. Maybe it's a small forward who has the basketball up top. Big sets that first screen. You go down into your dribble handoff for the wing. Meanwhile, you're setting the screen with the big, and then you're rolling them down to the basket, and you're looking to hit them there. Lots of different options off zoom action, especially when you're getting into some five-out stuff. Um, so I really like running zooms out of five-out. With all that said, there's a lot of things that you could do against a box and one. Coaches, don't get caught up in, hey, this is a box and one play. This is a box and one quick hitter. I'm not saying that's wrong to have something in the back pocket, but if a team is coming at you with a box and one for a whole game, that quick hitter is not going to win you that game. It may come in handy and get you an open look once in the first half, once in the second half, whatever it might be. But you need more strategy. You need more concepts over the quick hitters. Again, it's teaching your kids to play, not teaching your kids plays that is going to allow you to be effective against teams that are running a box and one. So I'm just so fired up, man. It was so cool to listen to our coaches teaching one another teaching me obviously i'm learning a ton it's one of the reasons why i love coaches edge.coach i just learned so much i become such a better coach from just being around so many other coaches i think we had coaches from six different states tuning in last night to our coaching call it was so 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 awesome lots of fun uh, so if you have any questions please reach out contact at kramerbasketball.com i say all these things humbly if there's something that you do against the boxing one that you found to be super effective I would love to, to hear about it. Shoot, you want to do a presentation to our Coach's Edge members, we can make that happen as well. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. And if you really like it, if you really like the Coach's Edge podcast, a positive rating and review, those thumbs can go a long way to helping the podcast grow, helping to serve other coaches. Uh, I know I'd certainly appreciate it. Thanks again. Get after it today.